0: Welcome to High Texas Football. I, I'm Bobby Burton, joined today by an author of some repute uh, or dispute, I should say, right? <laughs> I'm joined by Paul Wadlington. Oh, hey, Bobby, I, I didn't
1: see you there. <laughs> I you just, just happened to be so, reading
0: the 2022 okay. Longhorn Football Prospectus by none other than Paul Wadlington. Uh, wow. Paul is a longtime uh, Texas football writer, uh, author, uh, also known as Scipio Tex. Writes one of the best post-game analysis pieces you'll see, uh, and a longtime uh, scribe for Inside Texas. One of the guys that uh, I certainly have read for a long, long period of time. Uh, Paul, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for thanks for having me on, Bobby. I, I'm
0: happy to do it. I'm I'm ready to get this. We're 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 going live on Saturday morning here, and so. Uh, I, I think that everybody uh, is looking at this and wondering what they can do with their Saturday. Uh, this is one of those things, Paul, you and I usually get together, we, we try to talk about some exhaustive topics, I guess, uh, and really try to go into some detail. Uh, but I'm looking at your uh, bookcase behind you right now, uh, which I don't know if everybody's going to be able to see this, but there's actually two bookcases filled with books, which makes me think you're inordinately well-read. So hopefully people will think you're you're smart. Uh one of the reasons Paul is doing this interview, obviously, also, is he is promoting his book, uh, the 2022 Longhorn Football Prospectus, uh, Thinking Texas Football. It's available on Amazon uh, for $22.95 uh, or on Apple eBooks for 14.95, dollars uh, And it's just the hard copy versus the uh, digital copy. Uh, but Paul, it's your 10th year. Tell us a little bit about the project. Tell people about the project, and then we'll get in talking about the Longhorns.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Bobby. I appreciate it. Uh, I've been writing it for 10 years, since 2013. Uh, Jackson Shipley graced the first cover. Uh, That gives you some idea of how long I've been doing this. And it's a love-hate project, which is I love to have written the book. I love to have this, the completed version. I hate having to write it because, man, it's a bear because you know it's 80-hour weeks on top of doing my regular jobs and my side hustles and investing and all these other things I'm into and being a dad. Uh, so it's a lot of late nights. And then the, the goddamn portal is just thwarting me constantly because teams are constantly shift you know shifting and changing, and it's happening way late. So one thing that I think is great about this preview versus the others, uh, there's a few things that differentiate it, but I think one of them is it's written in... Late June for early July publication. Most of those periodicals out there that you folks buy that are previews, they're written right after spring ball, which is why you end up with some interesting, strange depth charts and some guys starting who transferred three months ago.
0: No, you're you're exactly right. I pr- I provided recruiting coverage for sporting news, Lindy's, all these college football annuals. They wanted their stuff in April, yeah. uh, and to publish in June because I mean it's a large, large production. Uh, and so it's understandable at the same time that not necessarily as up to date as you would like, especially not if you're a, a really fervent football fan. Right. If you're somebody that really wants to know the latest, it just it's not going to have it. Uh, the portal certainly puts a, a new uh, perspective on it, too, because that, you know, they they were recruiting guys. Uh, they had a Diamante Tucker Dorsey, I think, after uh, spring ball. Right. And, course, and so that's yeah. the linebacker. Who do you, who do you have on the cover there? I couldn't quite tell. Bijan. John. Bijan. John. It's, it's not a picture of Deshaun Jameson, actually. It's actually is. Yeah, I don't know if you noticed that. Maybe a lot of Robinson. People, yeah, a yeah. lot of people have been mistaking uh, Deshaun Jameson and Bijan because they wear the same number. Uh, but uh, I, I would imagine that Paul would catch that number. Hey, well, Paul. That, this, if
1: I didn't mention, this is the photography of Inside Texas's own Will Gallagher. He is absolutely an outstanding photographer, not just a sports photographer, he's a real visual artist. Y'all need to go to Gallagher Studios, check out his stuff. Will's a great guy, a great Longhorn, and I could not do this project without him. And I've got, he's been kind enough to provide me with probably 50 pictures in here, all action, amazing field photography. So there's my plug for Will Gallagher.
0: Well, I think he's a great guy uh, on top of all of that, uh, to your point. And uh, look, you know, people that don't know about your, your preview, not only are you talking in, in depth about the Longhorns, you also talk in depth about their opponents for the yes. coming season. And so today I want to do a couple things. I want to go through with you uh, position by position for the Longhorns and kind of get your feel for where you think the Longhorns should perform. We've talked about some of this stuff before, but just get some more nuggets that, at what you think of post spring, post portal. Uh, and then I want to talk a little bit about the opponents. And where you foresee uh, this Longhorn season going uh, and, and just go from there. So, without further ado, let's, let's jump into it. I'll start with this Do you think Quinn Ewers or Hudson Card, whoever starts, will be better and more efficient than Casey Thompson? If both
1: of them stay healthy, yes. Is,
0: yeah. there, is there a reason why you're so confident? Because you didn't take much time to think about that. Is there a reason you're so confident about that? They're more talented.
1: They're, they're better, uh, more talented players. Hudson Card is now more experienced. I think he's going to have grown from that experience. Look, you know, I actually get into, in, in the book, I, I get into the whole scenario with Hudson Card. You know, he had a great debut, right, against Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, you're supposed to just call them Louisiana now, but they're always going to be Louisiana Lafayette to me. Uh, that was a very experienced secondary who put players in the NFL, Uh, And they went on and won 11 games in a row after Texas beat them and Hudson card played really well, you know, nice intermediate game through with a lot of zip recognized saw the field. And then we roll into Arkansas and we didn't have a good game plan. I think the coaches would probably admit that they didn't prepare him very well for that defense and Hudson didn't show a lot of composure and uh, the coaches had to bench him. They brought in Casey Thompson And then there was a couple of get-right games, if people recall, right after that. Rice and Texas Tech, two atrocious defenses. Casey Thompson lights them up, and now it's his job. Hudson doesn't have a chance to get back until late in the season, in, in earnest at least. And so I think the book sort of got written on Hudson Card, but then wouldn't you know, he comes back against West Virginia and plays a half of football where he looks just like the guy who played against Louisiana Lafayette looked really good, saw the field, hit a deep ball, right? And so, and Casey Thompson was, was hot and cold. Um, you know, he really tormented bad defenses, Oklahoma included, but he had some bad habits and he had some limitations as the quarterback. And I appreciate that he certainly played his hardest for Texas, but Quinn Ewers is a different level of talent. Uh, Hudson Card is a better player than he was last year. He showed that in the spring game. Uh, Texas is better at the quarterback position. My only concern is this, and I, I'm knocking on wood right now. I hope you do the same, Bobby. Hudson is a pretty slightly built guy. Uh, he's very athletic, but he's a slightly built, lean guy. Uh, Quinn Ewers is a young guy, and he's not had a lot of hardening and, and strength and conditioning time. My fear for for either or is is injury, you know, soft tissue or otherwise. And so my hope is we've got a healthy quarterback room. However, it turns out, I'm, I have a suspicion it's going to be Quentin Ewers more than Hudson Card at some point during the season. Uh, I think however it turns out, Texas is going to have better quarterback play and they're going to have better skill position players to throw to. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, I I, I see what you're saying with with Ewers and Card. I'm concerned. My, my biggest thing, I, I do think that Texas is more talented like you do at quarterback. I feel like Even though Casey Thompson got flustered a lot last year, his age did help him a little bit. He was a little bit of an older guy in the huddle and on the field. Some things didn't necessarily – he kind of brushed things off when things got bad sometimes. Maybe he shouldn't have. uh, But I felt like he tried to let things go. And and I I hope that whether it's Card or you or whoever, they are able to do some of that. Obviously, the other thing with with Casey Thompson, we just don't know how – healthy he was or wasn't last year right and so yeah yeah, I mean that that will be the million dollar question for the next you know what 20 years of Texas football is whether or not Casey Thompson was actually healthy enough to be better than what he was a year ago so uh, all right I I think we both understand where we're at on quarterbacks with the with the running backs it's a different question here and and this is going to be the one question I want to give you I'm going to try to give you one question for each position this is the most talented running back room since
1: well that's a great question um like you bobby i have a passion for sort of trying to sort out the top fives and the top tens in texas history and marry different generations of football and try to recognize people in their time period and and all that um we had a running back room at one time that was ricky williams priest holmes and Sean Mitchell. Now, Sean may not be a guy that people know as well. He's a thousand-yard rusher, very talented runner. Uh, Ricky was Ricky Williams, uh, playing fullback a little bit at that point. Uh, and then Priest Holmes never fully realized his powers at Texas. Unfortunately, you know, the, the knee injuries did him in. But of course, he goes and has this second revival in the NFL, uh, first for the Ravens, then the Chiefs, and, and gets to show his, his ability level. Uh probably the best player to ever come out of uh what
0: San Antonio Holmes? Holmes, state champion that year, by the way. Yeah. Him running power right and power left. But I I remember him in high school. So do you think you think that's that's the that's the biggest the gap or or that's the the best uh comparison?
1: It yeah, I mean it's not Trey Newton.
0: No, no, no. I mean I like Trey, but that that, the I would agree with that. I mean, I don't know, um you know, maybe I, the problem is, I don't know that there is a, I know that Bijan is in that category with the other two. Yes. I feel, I feel comfortable that I don't know I, as a leader, I don't think there's any question that Roshan is as good, a better leader than either Ricky or priest were on those teams. Um, I don't know if he's in that caliber though, as a player. And so I'm, I, I'm a little bit different. I do think Jonathan Brooks is extremely talented. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm thinking, you know, that Jamal's, Jamal Charles, Chris Ogbena, that kind of era may be almost similar, just a little bit different. Um, you know, I, I don't, not sure though. So
1: that's a great question. Do you consider Ogbenaia and Rashawn Johnson as comparable
0: players? I do, don't you? I, I think that's a great, actually, I think that's a tremendous comparison that I never thought of until we just talked about it. Here's, I mean, I feel like he is the guy that maximizes, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: Ogbenaya, a little more versatile, maybe, or able to demonstrate his versatility as a pass catcher. Rashawn can catch the ball. I mean, no, no doubt about that. Here's the difference. Can you throw a saddle on Chris Ogbenaya, hand him the ball 31 times for 179 yards and a touchdown against K-State, where he single-handedly puts the team on his back and wills them to victory? I don't think he can do that. I think Roshan can, and so it's an interesting comparison, right? They're, they're just, you know, they're they have similarities. Into the, they're both maximizers, right? Uh, but Roshan may be a little more robust,
0: right? Yeah, I, I think he's more of a power back. Yeah, a good pro. I mean, Ogbenai came in as a, a wide receiver from Strike Jesuit, uh, yep. so he he made that transition position transition. Uh, Roshan as a quarterback tr- transitioned as well. Very similar guys, though, um, and I think that's a, that's a good, good makeup. All right, at wide receiver, different question. Has there ever been a wide receiver unit as talented as this one?
1: 2008? That's the last place I can go to with comparable uh, ability, right? Because Shipley and Cosby were freaking coaches on the field, right? And they were mind-melded to Colt McCoy. Are they as athletically gifted as Xavier Worthy, or we're going to find out something about Isaiah Nair. And I think people are going to be surprised how good he is. Uh, and then you've got some interesting dark horses, right? Jordan Whittington, when he's healthy, hell of a football player. You know, he, he, is, he is a guy that's difficult to get on the ground. And if he can stay healthy, um, you know, it's, that's been a big if for Jordan. And then you got these interesting, you know, you added Tariq Milton, to the portal, speaking of a late portal addition from Iowa State, we're gonna find out if he's right. If he's anything like he was as a sophomore, holy cow, right? You've got a legit number four who's, who's gonna scare people. You got a GA Hall, I mean, who knows? That guy's a complete wild card. He, he might be you know, suspended by the end of September, September, or he might have 35 catches for 700 yards and, and six touchdowns playing as the number four receiver and just destroying, you know, team's number four coverage guy. So there's a, there's a lot going on potentially with this receiver core. Xavier Worthy, I mean, he's going to be – by the time he's done, he, he probably will be a top five all-time Longhorn wide receiver.
0: Yeah, I, I, I've seen him. I've, I've followed – I guess I started school in 88 at Texas um, and followed them a little bit before then, but obviously not to the detail level I've, I did since I started school and the ability to see all the games. Um, best receiving core, uh, I've seen period end of story. And that's before adding Tariq Milton in a jai hole. Uh, that, that's how I came out of spring ball, uh, with just with Whittington, Nayor and Worthy, just those three, no doubt better than uh, Roy was a different character than Sloan and, uh, Tony Jeffrey and BJ Johnson. Uh, but these other, these, these three have NFL potential. In my opinion, it's the deepest, it may not have the very best because Roy Williams, I thought was, is still a cut above because he's just an athletic freak of nature. Uh, But, you know, and then I do agree with you, Jackson Shipley and, and, or Jordan Shipley, excuse me, and Quan Cosby just mentally had an approach and experience level that, that few can teach on, on the, in the college, college game and a quarterback that, that could uh, execute. Uh, I, I feel like of all of those positions, the one that I, other than Bijan, the wide receiver group is the one that if they have a great year, Texas is going to have a great year. That's, uh, you know, that's my opinion.
1: I, I sort of say straight out in the preview, the people asking, can Isaiah Nayor adjust to the Big 12, that league, I think the question you need to be asking is how's he going to adjust to the NFL the next week? Because that's the ability level. Every single guy that I've talked to who doesn't necessarily get carried away said their first reaction when meeting him was, oh, he's much bigger than I thought. And then when they see him, they go, whoa, he's much more athletic than I thought. And then he'd been sold as, and he had more skills and he can do more stuff. Classic late bloomer. I think Texas got a steal from Wyoming. And, yeah, and Steve Sarkeesian.
0: Hi, or- Steve Sarkeesian said he's the fat he's faster than he expected expected to. Well, little statistic for you, Bobby. Xavier Worthy was
1: the entire Longhorn passing game last year, right? Isaiah Nayor represented a larger percentage of the Wyoming cowboy passing game than Xavier Worthy for Texas. So providing a little context for how big a deal he was for Wyoming. And in fact, he turned it on late for the Cowboys, uh, who really struggled a quarterback. Once they settled into a decent quarterback, uh, that guy was scoring basically multiple or single touchdowns every week he went out there.
0: I know people expect more from the tight end position this year. Yeah. Uh, even though Kay Brewer, four-year starter, Jared Wiley uh, did not start a ton, but played a ton uh, over his last two or three years at Texas. Um, but they expect more from the tight end group this year, probably because of their overall athleticism, but are they going to get that level of production out of these guys or are they going to be as good as blockers? Um, that's, those are the, that's the question I would have for tight end. What is the realistic expectation there?
1: So they lack game experience. And I say that fully, full well, knowing that we got, of course, Julio Billingsley from Alabama, who has plenty of game experience. In fact, some big game experience. Uh, I think people need to recalibrate what that, the hierarchy in that tight end room. I think Julio Billingsley is a role player. And I mean, a specific niche role player where in certain games, he could have a, a big impact, but Steve Sarkeesian wants a balanced tight end who can block, who can catch, who can be, Split out who can line up with his hand on the ground. That's not Billingsley. Billingsley and Isaiah Nayor are the same size. So, you know, that was one of the issues that one of some of the issues that Nick Saban had with Billingsley, his refusal to put on weight, and as well as some other stuff. Uh Jatavian Sanders in that spring game showed a level of ability to block that I was not expecting. In fact, there were a couple of plays that I commented on on Inside Texas where he led like a traditional H-back up the hole on a power play and, and hunted down a linebacker and did a good job. Uh, I don't think that's his best use. He's six five, right? But he could block. I know he can catch. He just has no game experience. He's never caught a college you know, pass. Uh, and, and you saw some of that experience when he got stripped in the spring game uh, near the end zone. Gunnar Helm, this guy's proven to be a pretty interesting take. He was a flex tight end in high school. Uh, Played at a very good program in Colorado for Cherry Creek. Uh, But as he's grown into his body, he's grown into his physicality. And Bobby, he's a guy that I think is probably the number two tight end. When we go double tight, if we want to run the ball or have the pass option and play action, I think it's going to be Helm and Billings. I mean, Helm and and Sanders, Not, not Sanders and Billingsley, as people are expecting. I think Billingsley actually is a potential split out, uh, sort of flex guy who will be in some four and five wide receiver sets, and I think that's where we'll use him.
0: So I would say possibly or likely an upgrade as at receiver from our tight from the tight ends. It's an but, upgrade, but possibly a downgrade in blocking.
1: I don't know that. You know, Cade Brewer was a willing blocker. He was never a physical guy or never long enough to really handle like a, a guy on the a, a outside linebacker or a defensive end on the line of scrimmage. Uh, and Cade, unfortunately, we never got to see what he really could have been. That knee injury set him back because some of the things that made him special was his movement ability, and he never really regained that. Uh, but what he did do is put on some weight. He got more viable as a blocker. He was an experienced guy, very, very capable. Chatavian Sanders has an upside which is all Big 12, period. Now, he just needs to get more seasoned. Um, he can block. I, I really think Jatavian Sanders can block, and he's a willing blocker. And that's half
0: the battle at tight end. All right. I, let's, I, I think that my piece on the Cade Brewer thing, and you'll, you'll have to t- bear with me on this. It's almost like part of the tight end deal is knowing where to be and what, what, which guy to pick up and which guy to let go. Yes. And, and, and especially as much power as they like to do using that, like an a HBAC type, he understood who to, who, to, who to take and who to let go. And I think that's where experience matters um, as much as anything. And that's going to be something, especially because uh, Jatavian Sanders, if he is the guy, like you kind of like, we, I, I expect it too, by the way. I'm not pointing out anything that I'm not saying anything you don't agree with. Um, but Jatavian Sanders is gonna be drinking from a fire hose in game two in that regard, but because Alabama, Alabama will come Turner
1: is, is yeah. gonna be an interesting one. There's yeah. no doubt you about get my that. point.
0: Yeah, he that's that's where you know that's where you might get your quarterback hurt, to be yeah. real real blunt. All right. Um, let's go next. Offensive line. Yep. Um, any overriding feeling that you have, I just picked any, there's so many different. Thoughts here. What is the overriding feeling you have about the offensive line headed into the to to the fall?
1: I'm incredibly confident. I don't see any weaknesses. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, look, I, I think I, I I think I told you this. You know, we were going to talk offensive line, and I was like, hey, we can speculate. Let's circle back August 25th, and then let's circle back again in in early October because we might have a new slate of starters uh, right before OU, right? uh look so much of this depends on what do you think is the best use of hayden connor right is christian jones is the light going to turn on playing right tackle is, is the second year of coaching from flood going to turn something on and, and people say oh you know this is all cast it's all done hey i've seen it happen you remember stan thomas right shock the nation you know, he had a good senior year and he is a guy that, you know, didn't really come together. Mike Williams during the Mac Brown era. That was a guy you're always waiting for the light to turn on. And when it turned on, it turned on in a big way. Uh, now he showed up to the Arkansas cotton bowl weighing 380 pounds because he somehow gained 30 pounds in a month, uh, which is that's one of the more impressive feats a longhorn player has ever achieved. But uh, I think a lot of this depends on Christian Jones and we're going to know on that early. We'll know in fall camp the coaches will know in fall camp.
0: Andre Carrage. I I look, I agree with you. I mean, it, it's almost like you think that it might end up being two or three seasons for the offensive line. There's going to be the preseason who starts. There's going to be the pre there's going to be the OU game that one way or the other will figure that out. Yeah, Probably an injury too and then you're looking at late in the season uh with another guy coming off the bench and you don't know who that guy off the bench will even be. Yep. Um I do like well, I think what I like about the offensive line is what I'm hearing about the freshmen. Um, unfortunately, that's not a good thing sometimes. Um, and and of all positions uh, in college football, that's the offensive line is the one that tends to take the most seasoning, right? Um, and so it'll be interesting to to see exactly how that that shakes out uh, this season. But uh, I I feel like I don't feel like they're going to be worse than last year. I don't know that out of the gate, they'll be appreciably better though.
1: So in football, there's such a thing as good enough. And if you've got the skill players, you've got the guy pulling the trigger, who could be the conduit of the offense, just deliver the ball on time. And you've got layered levels of offense, right? You've got an outstanding running back room. Every single guy in that running back room can catch the ball, or at least the two, ba- the two top guys, Roshan and, and Bijan. We'll see about Keelan. Uh, you've got Jatavian Sanders. That's the next layer of offense. And then you've got a serious threat in Isaiah Nayor, classic X receiver out on the sideline, winning deep balls. You've got Xavier Worthy. You can play anywhere on the football field and dominate. He, he can dominate in the short game. He can go deep. Then you got Jordan Whittington, who is the ultimate chain mover, intermediate wide receiver. This all sets up Bobby as a layered offense. All the offensive line needs to be is good enough, right? They don't need to dazzle. They don't have to dominate. We're not looking for Justin Blaylock out there. We're just saying, give us a chance, and you can scheme some of that up a little bit. Oklahoma this is interesting City.
0: because it, you're getting in. No, you're getting into the overall offense discussion. Yeah, I I think is good. Right. And this is I'm going to I'm going to we're going to go to defense. And I want to say this. I feel like offense, the offense has some star power to it. Yeah. I don't think the defense does. No. Yeah. And I and I think that if I think Texas is going to win some games because they've got great players on offense. But if they're going to win a lot of games, the defense is going to have to be better and steadier. Uh, They're going to have to answer the bell more. Uh, And I just feel like whether it was because they got worn down in the second half a year ago, or they just didn't have the personnel, uh, you know, that's, that's what's going to have to happen on defense Um, on the defensive line, you know, on the interior uh, to sweats back, Keandre Coburn's back, Byron Murphy's back, Alfred Collins, uh, the list goes on Uh, that's that on paper. Looks like the strongest group on the defense, right? The defensive tackles.
1: That's how it looked last year.
0: Yeah. And it, yes. And it didn't, it didn't pan out that way.
1: Well, you know, if your defensive system says Alfred Collins is a role player who doesn't get a start until the Oklahoma State game. And then when he does start against Oklahoma State, he's the best defender on the field, uh, at least for Texas. Uh, then maybe the issue is not Alfred Collins. Maybe the issue is your system and what you decided. Um, You know, Moro Jomo is a natural penetrator. He's not a big guy. He's not a block eater. He's not a space occupier. Um, Keandre Coburn somehow got weaker in his fourth year in a college strength and conditioning program. I'm not sure how that happens, uh, but it happened. Uh, Tavondre Sweat had his moments. He was inconsistent. I thought he played better than Coburn over the course of the year. Frankly, he also shows real dynamism. Sometimes if you line him up as a three technique and just tell him to, to push the pocket, um, you know, I, I, After
0: Alfred Collins, he's the second best athlete of that group.
1: I, I wrote in here. He's the second best NFL prospect. And I don't think that's very debatable on that defense, uh, or at least the defensive line. So, um, we need better play from all of them, but I think they need to play them in a way in which they attack more. You know, it's, it's not just where you line guys up. It's their disposition. And I mean disposition like how you use the asset. Are you telling them to get after and penetrate, or are you telling them to eat blocks and free up Luke Brockermeyer. Uh, and that's what we opted to do last year. Uh, I don't think that's going to repeat. I I, I think. Pete Kwiatkowski is too good a guy, too experienced a guy to not understand that he made some mistakes in how he deployed his personnel. I say that at the same time, understanding he was not exactly dealt the Ray Lewis, uh, you know, Baltimore Ravens at their peak. That's that's not what he was operating with. But if you can't get Alfred Collins integrated into your defense – if you can't find ways to take natural penetrators and try to make some plays on their side of the field, you know, Bobby. I mean, our linebackers, the the linebacker had the most tackles for loss was Jalen Ford with six. He was a backup linebacker, right? I mean, Texas did not play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. It is a perfectly viable defensive system to to occupy space, to, to, to funnel, you know, running backs and everyone has their gap and all that. Hey, it's all good. But if you don't have the personnel, you've got to find a different way and Texas needs to play a little bit different. And uh, you know, I, I just think that they can coach better and I think certainly the players can play better. I,
0: I thought the best defensive tackle by the end of the year was Byron Murphy.
1: Not even close.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So let me ask you this, Bobby, and we'll talk about this sometime. How did an, how was it an 18 year old true freshman from Desoto had better play strength
0: than our experienced defensive tackles? I think his lack of development at that position. Um, you uh, said it. Well, I mean, here, look, the, last year they didn't have a spring ball. A year ago, they didn't really have. I mean, so it's hard to. Those coaches came in and didn't. I, I feel like, you know, the pandemic. Played definitely played a role on the defensive front uh yeah. last year. I don't I don't think there's any that and playing some people out of place. I mean they didn't know that Jet Bush couldn't play that until they got against a real offensive tackle, right? I mean I i, I might have been able to help them with that. Yeah, I, I know that, but you you get what I'm saying. I mean you you yeah coaches are used to being dealt a hand of cards and then dealing with that and yeah. and playing the hand and um so anyways, but. I feel like Byron Murphy um, is a little bit of a rare guy uh, in that here's, here's an 18 year old guy that already has his junior college degree by the time he graduates high school. Yes. I mean, you and I have been that age before. Not everybody is as adult as that. they no. just, they're just not. Um, and so if he's athletic and wants it and is willing to prove it, uh, I think those guys tend to go very far in life. As well as on the football field.
1: You've got to get Byron Murphy on the field. You've got to get Collins on the field. Um, if Tavondre Sweat wants to play and, and make some NFL money, you got to get him on the field. Um, you really have to get those guys out there and not necessarily play what you want to do. You got to play the best hands that you're dealt. And here's where I'm really sympathetic to Kwiatkowski. Man, none of those edges panned out. Ray Thornton didn't pan, Ovia Gofu. He has some explosiveness, but he's he's not very play strong and he he likes to sprint straight up the field, you know, on third and four, no less when everything, everyone's screaming draw. Uh, I'm sympathetic to that. There were no easy solutions, but that's where you might want to play a, a jumbo front and then try to do what you can. You know, you got to, you know, Texas has done that in the past and I understand football has changed. You can't put too many big guys out there. They'll just run around them. You know they'll just screen you to death. They'll outside zone you to death. But some of these big guys we have are unusual. You know, Alfred Collins is an unusual guy. He could play three, no question. But he could play outside. He, he he's fully capable of doing it. But what they need to do is find a find an identity, find their best eleven, and and let it roll.
0: Got it. All right. Um, you mentioned those outside guys. You mentioned a Gofu Baron Sorrell is uh, someone that. Uh, Eric Nalin of Inside Texas continues to hear good things about yep, um Justice Finkley true freshman did some nice things in spring ball.
1: Can I stop you on Finkley? We do the freshman savior thing a lot at Texas. Hey, Justice Finkley is a very serious like like Byron Murphy. He's a serious tough-minded kid who's who's physically as ready for college football. You know, he's he's 6'2" 250 uh You know, he's not a super explosive guy. Okay. He's he's gonna he's gonna win on the edge with hustle. He's he's more Aaron Humphrey than Sergio Kendall, right? So a guy like that is certainly capable of going in and giving you snaps. He's not a starter, and if you're having to start him, that's not
0: good for Texas.
1: Right. I'll just say that.
0: I I gotcha. And I and I don't I don't disagree with that. That's why Oshawn Mathis would have been a huge pickup for the Longhorns in the pool. Yeah. All right, um, you mentioned the linebacker. We talked about Ovi a little bit. Uh, he's really—I I consider this a four-three. I know it's a two-four-five. I mean, whatever it is. Oh, you're um, getting Ian. You're getting Ian fired up. I know. I you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, two do. two real linebacker positions: uh, Overshown and Jalen Ford, uh, leaders in the clubhouse going into to fall. Yep. Um, D, we don't know about Diamante Tucker Dorsey yet. He's the newcomer from Jane, James Madison likely depth, I would think. Um, the real question I have at linebacker, I want to get your thoughts on it, is does Marvion overshone a linebacker or is he just a guy? I mean, I, I feel like I could go either way on this. Right now, to me, he's just a guy until he proves that he actually can be a linebacker.
1: Yeah, you know, there is a, there is a wide gap between the perception of how good he is and the actual game film that At times I had to suffer through and you know the fact is he is a talented guy he likes to hit he's cat quick, no one will deny those traits he's long. Um, If he's doing all those things 10 10 yards away from the ball running the wrong direction it's not very helpful if he doesn't understand how to to get leverage on a guard and and stop a, a lead play you know Oklahoma State's running 18 times in a row in the fourth quarter. You're just not much use as an inside linebacker, particularly in the Quitkowski scheme. That's why Jalen Ford, who is not one quarter of the athlete that Overshown is, is a better functional football player at that
0: position. It's, it's why I think David Benda may end up being the starter if, if Overshown can't do it. And, and here, Overshown's going to the, to, to the uh, media days. He's one of the reps of the team. Yeah. And so we'll, we'll see. I mean, maybe the coaches are seeing something we haven't seen yet which is fair, right? I mean, I so. this is his first full year or full semester, I guess. And, and, uh, with a, um, spring uh, practice behind him because he's been injured. They had the pandemic. Um, but I, I feel like David Benda might be the guy, uh, that steps up this year. And, and I, it's just going to be interesting because again, I am looking for solid guys across the board on this defense, because we know there aren't necessarily any great players on defense, at least not right now. And so I would be looking for solid players, and I don't – until Overshown proves he's solid, we got to wait and see. Um, Secondary, um, Jade Barron, uh, a big focal point in my opinion, his ability to be a nickel sets the secondary up better overall this year than it does a year ago, even if the personnel isn't necessarily better this year.
1: Yeah. So that's a great point, Bobby, the the slot. So nickel used to be sort of a, Oh, you're not good enough to be a starting corner. Let's move you to nickel. Well, as football has evolved and you realize the easiest throw to make on the football field is the slot, the closest guy to the quarterback who's got a two way go, right. Every time there's a snap, uh, and he's typically going to be matched up in certain coverages against an inferior athlete. So, if you've got a nickel who can erase a slot receiver, boy, that's a, that's a powerful thing to start with your defense. And Jade Barron is, is a really quick guy. He's a, he's a quick study, he's quick minded. Uh, I think he's going to be a good player for Texas. Uh, he's unproven, we'll see. But if he can, he's going to provide a different dynamic at nickel in that he's a guy you don't need to cover over behind him. And you can now run some more different exotic coverages instead of these predictable two deeps at safety. And you can move those guys around. You can bring them up. You can, you can do some sliding coverages because you trust that Jade Barron isn't going to get exploited by that slot receiver.
0: You know, uh, corners right now look like Deshaun Jameson and Ryan Watts uh, starters, yeah. Baron at, uh, at the nickel. The question is who are going to be the safeties? Uh, it's, You know, you would think one spot goes to Anthony Cook. The likely other one is Jaron Thompson. Keaton Crawford, however, continues to get positive mention. Are are we in this at secondary? I'm going to ask this because I feel like everybody thinks that Anthony Cook is going to be a starter. Right. I mean, you just assumed he got moved from nickel. He's going to be a starter at safety. Is it possible Maurice Blackwell or Keaton Crawford take that role?
1: So Blackwell, man, he's a guy you want to put out there because he loves to hit. He loves contact. He's a gamer. Coverage. You, you rewatch that spring game, and I just—it's not that I don't think he knew what he was doing, which is part of it. I don't think he can cover. I, I'm not sure he can do what we need from that position. We're gonna—we're gonna find out. But I, I love the fact that he loves to hit, and he brings some physicality that Texas sorely needs. Keaton Crawford, he's one of the best athletes on the team. He likes to hit. He can run. He's agile. He's a big guy. He was a very skilled high school running back. People forget that. Uh, He could do something with the ball if he intercepts it, right? You like having that value add in your secondary, right? If if a guy gets a turnover, he can go do something with it. He doesn't know what he's doing at safety. Now that He doesn't see see it yet. He doesn't see it. Yeah. And and the fact is, and I know it's eternally – a thorn on the side of every football fan, but defensive coordinators are always going to start the safety that knows what to do. Athletics be damned, right? We're talking about the Blake Gideons. We're talking about the Dylan Haynes. We're talking about uh, even the Jason Halls who are not as gifted athletically, but they see the field, they understand what they're doing, and they're not going to outright bust an assignment. Look, a defensive coordinator you, will, you don't allow 60-yard bust touchdown plays. That's You just can't play defense that way, even if the guy who gave up the bust runs a 4-3-40, right? So Keaton Crawford has to prove that he's not going to bust. And, and then he can bring all those athletic gifts to bear, and he will be a starting safety if he can do that. If he can't, it's Anthony Cook. Jaron Thompson's interesting, though, Bobby, because he's a guy who has some instinct um, – he has some range, even though he's not super fast. He played too light last year. He's another guy that really suffered, I think, from an S&C program that's rethinking some of the things that they're doing. He played at 175 pounds. You can't do that at, at safety at a, at a major college team. And so people could say, oh, it's want to, and it's physics, okay? You can have all the want to you want, and Caleb Williams weighs 220 pounds. And yeah, I know he's a freshman. I know he plays quarterback. He's built like a brick S house. And he comes around the corner and, and he outweighs you by 40 pounds. And he runs through you and everyone says, oh, you need to tackle better. Hey man, that, he gets put on the ground if Jaron Thompson weighs 195. So, you know, I think he's got a, a potential and I think he just needs to develop physically. So we'll see. I, I think there's some upside at safety. I, I, I'm aiming for competent. And competent at safety would be a huge improvement.
0: Yeah, I. Uh, wow, that's that's damning, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, but uh, yeah, I I see that. Um, I I think overall on defense, Paul, um, they need to play better as a unit. Um, yes. And if they if they are able to do that, I think it's going to matter in the final win loss column form. and, and ultimately. That's what everybody's looking for. And and so if they play better as a unit, you're going to see more wins this year.
1: So by efficiency metrics, Texas was the 52nd ranked defense in college football last year. That's that's about right. That's about how they played. I'm simply arguing that if they can get that up to 39, right, not exactly great guns, right? You're not putting that up on your refrigerator.
0: That's a 25% improvement. If you can get up to 39...
1: Texas is going to go 10 and two.
0: I think, I think people in the backgrounds are going, yes, yes, Paul. Yes, I agree yeah. with you. <laughs> hey, so big, biggest loss, bar none. Take any position, every position. Biggest loss, bar, bar none for this team, Cameron Dicker. Uh, field goal kicker. Thank you
1: for saying that. Yeah. So I, I got to show you guys, I this is the most neglected aspect of football. I write, I'll show you, I write a special team section. And it's of course got Burt Auburn, Will Stone and Isaac uh, Pearson, the pro kick kid from Australia, our third. Uh, Cameron Dicker was the reason that Texas was ranked 11th in the country in special teams metrics in combination with Keelan Robinson getting his hand on a couple of punts, okay? Dicker was an amazing punter. He was a very good kicker. He converted over eighty percent of his kicks, and his kickoffs—another underrated thing—routinely either pin the returner or put him in the end zone. Dicker is a huge loss. Isaac Pearson. Look, all those pro kick guys have a typical evolution. Remember Michael Dixon? His first year, he's fumbling snaps. He's freaking out, uh, shanks some kicks. You know, it's he had to adjust to the game. Once he did. He's one of the he's the greatest punter I've ever seen, other than Shang Leckler in, in college game. Uh, Bushevsky, if he hadn't blown out his knee, I think would have been not a Dick Dicker level, Dicker level or even um, Dixon, but I think just right below that. So I think Isaac Pearson, the the word out of Pro Kick Australia. to talk about what a dork I am with this preview. I went and read up all that stuff on Pro Kick, and I found their their tutor in Australia, and I read some articles and. In the Melbourne papers, and uh, he had a very high opinion of Isaac Pearson as a pure talent, and thought that he was going to be an NFL punter one day. So that's great. Place kicker, boy, if you're playing with a team where you're trying to outscore people, as Texas will be doing this year, it's nice to have a kicker who can hit a big kick for you. Right now, that said, if you're not sure about his range. Maybe going forward on fourth and three on the other teams, 30 isn't the worst thing in the world with this offense. You know, I can deal with that. Uh, The the point is you need to figure that out early because you don't want to piss away those opportunities uh, against not just Alabama, but, you know, the Oklahomas and the Oklahoma States and the Baylors.
0: Yeah, I I think that the the issues there are late game needs. Uh, You know, can you trust somebody to hit a 45-yarder with – you know, a minute left to go in the game or 30 or, or five seconds left in a half. Yes. They give you some momentum going into the half. And uh, so I, I feel like, you know, they will, Burt Auburn is probably pretty good 45 and in. Okay. We'll see.
1: I, I yep. think it might be an adventure a little bit. And I think Will Stone might press him. Um, I will say this, Texas return teams need to dramatically improve. They were poor. The kickoff return team was terrible. And I don't just mean the, the statistical product, which was terrible. It was under 20 yards of kick return. It was actually watching the, 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 the film of, of watching their blocking and some of the schemes. Um, look, I, I have a, a high opinion of our special teams coach. I think he's going to try to work on that. Sometimes bad special teams in that regard can be a reflection of your depth. but. Texas needs to improve there. They need to improve in the margins in all these little areas if they're going to make the move from five and seven to a Big 12 title game contender, which I think they can be.
0: Could be wrong, but a Jai Hall running down on kickoffs wouldn't hurt. If he wants <laughs> to see Mike's contact. Have, have you can. seen him? I, yeah, he's he's pretty good in that, that role. All right, um, real quick, uh, think 2022 college football perspective, Thinking Texas Football by Paul Wadlington. Paul, before I let you go, I, I do want to get to your uh, another aspect of the book. And, and that's where you talked about what you thought the likely outcome would be for the 2022 Longhorns.
1: Yeah, so I, I think the Big 12 this year is wide open. And I think uh, I'm actually kind of amused by some of the national media or regional media who are voting OU and Baylor sort of as a default one and two. Uh, OU because you should always vote for OU, right? Based on history. And then Baylor because they have this incredible ascendant. They went from two and seven in 2020 to this 11 and three football team that wins the big 12 title, uh, goes and beats Ole Miss in a major bowl. And of course, Dave Aranda just coaches his ass off. Equally, I'll say OC Jeff Grimes, was hugely responsible for that turnaround. Here's the deal on Baylor, Bobby. I have, a, I have the highest possible respect for the coaching job that they did. They lost six dudes to the NFL draft. Is Baylor a team that can lose six guys to the NFL draft and just reload?
0: Hey, not only did they lose six guys, it's the last real big class of Matt Rule.
1: Yes, I was going to and- say that. Perfect segue.
0: And so, um, and I think they've recruited well this year, but two years ago I don't think they recruited well. So, um, at the same time, they pick up a guy like Jackson Player, the defensive lineman out of Tulsa, awesome. uh, in the great portal, uh, the Sika guy. They'll have. I think they're going to be good on the defensive front, which both fronts. Yeah, yeah, Their they got four or five. Line. Yeah, four so the or five returns. Line is
1: good. Yep. Their defensive line is good. That's always great. Um, and by the way, their offensive line, you're talking about, you know, coherent unit play, their outside zone schemes, like bring a little tear to my eye. They're so well coordinated. Their offensive line is other than Connor Galvin. They're not super talented. They just play well together. It's beautiful. It's a symphony that said their wide receivers, not real good. Their quarterback. Hey, Shapen, He looked good in in spurts. Certainly, I like him. I like like him. him. They lost Ebner, who was an underrated big play guy. They lost their converted linebacker turned running back who who dominated for them. uh, Abram Smith. Mm -hmm. 1,600-yard rusher. He's gone. The wide receivers are gone, including uh, a high draft pick in Tyquan Thornton. Uh, Baylor's lost more than people think. And on defense, the heart and soul of that back seven, right? I'm talking about Terrell Bernard, linebacker. I'm talking about Jalen Petrie, who was just a baller, defensive, you know, Big 12 player of the year, rightfully loved watching him play. Uh, JT Woods, who was their rangy safety, who kind of covered everything on the back, had five interceptions for him. He's gone. Uh, Kalon Barnes, you know, super fast, gone. Uh, Rayleigh Tashada, who started 35, 40 games for them, gone. They're, They're starting over in their back seven. And in the Big 12, that's not an easy thing to do. So I'm not down on Baylor. I have a huge amount of respect for their coaching. I'm sure they'll discover some talent I didn't know they had. But it's not something that you should just pencil them in confidently at number one because of what they did last year.
0: Baylor loses more people. But you mentioned Bernard, and there's a similar guy at Oklahoma State that was the heart and soul of that defense.
1: Malcolm Rodriguez.
0: Yeah, and he's gone as well. And Devin Harper. Uh, yes, as well as the defensive coordinator. And um,
1: he did a hell of a job.
0: Yeah, Jim Knowles. Yeah, they I feel like as I look around in, in Oklahoma, you just don't know what you're gonna get in the first year, I don't think. They will be I, they will be somewhat talented.
1: I have some suspicions about that, Bobby. I think OU of the upper echelon of predicted Big 12 teams, I think they have the highest implosion potential. I I really do I, I look that defense last year underachieved they underperformed uh and they lost all the best players from that defense every single great player from that defense got drafted or transferred out uh they lost Patrick Fields he plays for Stanford now little culture shock for that guy uh Uh, They lost Brian Asamoah, who's a very good traditional linebacker. They lost their best edge in Nick Benito. They lost their best pass rusher in Isaiah Thomas. Uh, Perry and Winfrey. Perry and Winfrey, very underrated impact player inside because of his quickness. OU, I, I have great respect for Venables. I think he's a great defensive mind. I think that that defense is more vulnerable than the average person understands. On offense, that season's on Dylan Gabriel. 185 pounds soaking wet
0: okay i've talked to two different guys that absolutely love him by the way i like him too mike uh, mike huganin uh who lives in orlando seen him play several times uh, when he's at ucf and then uh, jd Paquel, a guy that uh, now works with on three they've they've seen they they think he's going to be terrific if he stays healthy if he if stays, he stays on the field and and pass protection has been an issue for OU, um, he
1: got up 33 sacks last year.
0: Yeah, and they so they, they will have issues.
1: Yeah, to Bill Bedenbaugh, that just does not
0: happen, right? Yep. And it, um, it's a so, talented. So where do you where do you see the Longhorns headed this year? Then.
1: So I think we have a big range of outcomes. I think you asked me this a, a few months ago, before I'd even begun my deep dives, and I said, "Hey, the fat part of the bell curve for us is." anywhere between seven and five to to, to 10 and two, right? Depending on how things break. Uh, I took some averages basically of outcomes. And I said that we'd go six and three in the big 12 play. I now kind of wish I'd gone for it and said seven and two or eight and one, because I think that's a plurality of upside. If you'll, if you'll get, I'm not saying that's the most likely outcome. I'm saying if you slice up all the outcomes into records for Texas, I think there's a good 35 to 40% chance that Texas wins the league outright. I really do. Uh, I also think that there's a, you know, there's a healthy chance that, that Texas doesn't quite get it done and, and underperforms. I just think that the rest of the league has more vulnerabilities than people know or understand And one way you can know or understand it is this thing. Uh, Because I really do, I try to do a deep dive on all of our opponents. And I do it from an objective perspective. I'm not trying to find faults. You know, I love the coaching jobs that Mike Gundy and Dave Aranda did last year. But the idea that they're just going to reload some deep, deep losses in talent and experience and they're going to be back. I don't know, man. I don't know about that. Uh, I think this league is wide open. And if you're looking for a Baylor, right, a team that finished second to last in 2020 and then won the league, hey, Texas Tech hired Zach Kitley.
0: I I was going to say, I was going to mention Texas Tech finished strong last year. Extremely strong.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, look, Tech, the thing in their favor is for the first time in a long time, they actually have a secondary that can cover some people. Not many times you've said that about Texas Tech in their history. Offensively, Zach Kitley, for those of you who are not familiar with him, he's a defensive, I mean, he's an offensive genius. Uh, first came on the scene at Houston Baptist, goes to Western Kentucky. Um, Texas fans, you're familiar with UTSA because of Jeff Trailer and his, his personality cult. People love Jeff Trailer. UTSA played Western Kentucky twice. Western Kentucky lit them up for over 500 yards passing both times. He got Bailey Zapp drafted in the fourth round of the NFL by New England, which is, you know, pretty, pretty good. And if you watch the, the, and and examine the structure of his offense, it's, it's brilliant. It's called the spread and shred. And what he does is he marries these pure air raid spread concepts with almost Dan Mullen type stuff from Mississippi state, Florida, lots of candy and jet sweeps and misdirection and he somehow manages to turn what looks like a straight drop back pass into this befuddling picture for safeties and linebackers and you just see streaking wide receivers and and running backs running wide open all over the field and it's it's a really unique offense I don't think Tech has the right personnel for it right now. I don't think Tyler Shuck is that quarterback that sees the field the way he wants his quarterback to see the field. But when he gets his guy, look out for Texas Tech. Uh, that was a good hire by Joey McGuire.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I almost, I don't know if Joey McGuire got introduced to him or if or Joey McGuire picked him out of a lineup. Uh, but uh, I, I get the feeling that uh, that was a Cliff Kingsbury – influenced uh deal there at some level but uh, uh because he was uh cliff kingsbury's quarterback tutor at tech or not cliff Kingsbury, pat mahomes uh quarterback tutor at texas tech. Right. all right um once again paul wadlington uh 2022 longhorn football perspective Prospectus, thinking texas football on sale at amazon uh for 22 22.99 or at apple for for, or for 14.95 Uh, via the eBooks. Paul, as always, you're a wealth of knowledge. Uh, I enjoy reading your stuff on Inside Texas. uh, And uh, I look forward to this football season. I know you do too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Bobby, if I could just throw in there, if you are a Kindle reader, uh, the Kindle version is on Smashwords. Uh, You can find it. It's linked up all over the Twitters. It's linked up on Inside Texas, but just go to Smashwords. That's where you can get the Kindle MOBI version Every other version, just go buy it on Apple for e-readers. If you want the hard copy, Amazon, baby. It'll be in your (laughs) hands in 48 hours. It's pretty amazing. I mean, for an independent author to be able to have a, a print to ship, you know, created, printed out and sent out in 48 hours, you know, props to the Amazon supply chain, props to the people ordering it because what it means is Amazon is confident printing up a bunch of editions and getting it out quickly because there's been such a big demand. So thank you, Longhorn fans. If you're on the fence about this, I don't think you'll regret it. If you're if you're a passionate Longhorn fan, you'll enjoy it.
0: it it's worth it's worth it to me personally. Um, and I've read you know I I do I've done this for a living for so long, right? Um, I've read so many so many previews that are more eye candy than value, yeah. right? And so they try to get you for seven ninety five or six ninety five, and there's not that much actual real content uh, in there, this is content from page one. And, uh, I think you should be proud of what you created. So, all right, Paul Wadlington, thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for coming. And to the people who watched today, thanks for joining on Texas football on Saturday. Uh, Paul, I'll see you soon, bud.
1: Hey, absolutely. Look forward to talking to you again. Thanks for having me on, Bobby. All
0: right. Take care, Paul.